taste all the senses. Get it overall. 100 taste buds. Feel the cream. Feel the texture. Feel the sweet. Aerate it. That's a 10. That's it. That's the start of the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wonderful. It's a loose, <laughs> casual podcast. We don't have to do the same thing in the intro every time. But hey, it's Griffin and Rachel here, keeping it real. I would like to introduce myself. Yeah, it's Griffin here. <laughs> Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And that's a, and that's a 10, if you know what I'm, if you don't, I'm What if people haven't seen the video of the man taste testing the ice I cream? I'm almost sure nobody else has. It's entirely possible. Man. Griffin showed this to me very early in our courtship. It's true because I needed her to know where I learned the art of seduction. I'll probably link it in the episode description unless I forget, which I almost certainly will. Just search for <laughs> a man ice cream taste. Hey, this is a podcast where we talk about stuff that we are really enthusiastic about, stuff we're really into. It's called Wonderful. Did it's we called say Wonderful. That? Maybe not. I did a lot of ice cream man goofs at the top and <laughs> didn't prioritize the name of the show. First things first. Healthy boy sitting over here, feeling so good for the first time. Okay, I still cough a lot. I'd say about ninety five percent. Ninety five percent. I'm getting there though. The road to health was a long one. Thank you all for. St- <laughs> fair, 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 fair dinkum. But anyway, um, mostly better. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to share my life with you, my health life. So, I am also very eager to have that with you again. Yeah, we can finally get back to our, you know, mountain biking and uh, yeah. extreme. Repelling. Uh, extreme repelling, which is you do mm-hmm. it without the rope, which is really just kind of falling down a mountainside pretty fast <laughs> and hoping for the best. Hey, you got any small wonders? I do. Yeah. Um, Michelle Obama has a book out. And oh. it just looks super, super great. It's called Becoming. Uh, is this and, what you just checked out from the library? No, it's not. Oh. I keep, you think I could get my hands on that at the library That's right a now? good point. It's a hot commodity. I, I could imagine. sign up for a waiting list and get it in approximately two years. Okay. Um, I want to bring, well, first off, Fallout 76 comes out tonight at midnight, the night that we were recording this. Just oh. I, I don't know how good a game it's going to be. I don't know how deep it's going to be. You like, just want to take a walk I, down I memory. I have to play it, right? Memory like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I've seen some, like, pre-release footage and, like, seeing people. I was watching today and uh, just, like, a Twitch stream of somebody in the UK, because the game is already live there, uh, and they were just walking on the bridge over the New River Gorge, and I was like, fuck yeah. Like, this is, this really is something like special for for west virginia like i i feel like i kind of scoffed at like how the tourism board is like making a huge deal out of it but like it is fucking cool that like this place i grew up i can like walk around a digital place that is which i never really really thought would happen yeah um also there's a video circulating right now on social media of behind the scenes footage of when they first recorded the baby back ribs theme song that is absolutely my shit oh it's them in the fucking studio just like laying it down and like (laughs) you know that's my shit you know that like hey griffin you know that thing that was like the first meme kind of basically back in the day this is a reference for those of you that aren't they got to know what it is to the chili's commercial yes uh this is the original cut the original artists talented talented folks uh just in the studio just like doing the shit it is mm-hmm. so fucking fresh look it up you will not be disappointed is the barbecue sauce guy everything you'd want him to be the barbecue sauce guy is like batman he is the dark knight <laughs> because everybody's i mean the dude who's really like putting in work and earning his paycheck mm-hmm. is the i want my baby back baby because he is non-stop <laughs> he is all over this video and then you get like two guys who come in with the chilies and they harmonize oh. and and then 
just like out of the shadows, just like <laughs> dropping in from like a ceiling tile that has moved out of place. This guy drops in and goes, barbecue sauce, and is gone. Oh my gosh. So I don't know how everybody good. kept their composure during that recording. And what's best is at the very end of the video, like literally it's like a guy sitting at a studio op board, just like hitting the button, just like, yeah, <laughs> knowing that like we fucking got it. That's it. That's, that's the, a 10. That's a, that's a 10. <laughs> hey, you start this week. Can, I t- can you tell me about your first thing? So this is going to be kind of a journey. Okay. Uh, just to let you in on my process. Okay. There are several websites that I kind of browse around when I'm looking for a topic. Okay. One of them, uh, led me to today's topic. Okay. Don't worry. That website is, uh, Smithsonian mag. Okay. So it's, you know, it's relatively PG. Although (laughs) (laughs) the topic I am bringing, and this is going to be, should I take a big drink of water before? (laughs) Uh, so they're called nuptial gifts. Okay. These are like the wood for one, one year or whatever to paper for two. No. Nuptial gifts are food items or inedible tokens that are transferred during courtship among birds, insects, and spiders. (gasps) (laughs) Except for, can you say it again, but not the spiders one. Can you say it again? (laughs) Just be like for birds, just really for birds. Uh, and this includes birds. Only. Say only birds. Do this. Completely birds. <laughs> Completely birds. Just birds. It's also known as courtship feeding. Oh my God. Tell me everything. Oh, I want you to. We haven't done an animal one in a while. I'm I want excited. you to enjoy this moment right now because it is going to get worse for you. Oh no. <laughs> Wait, is it like. Let me start out. Yucky. Let me start out. So uh, Kareem Verhead is a professor of etymology at the University of Derby in England, and he is like the foremost um, expert in this area. Okay. So let me just start you off with male katydids. I feel like katydids are always up to no good. So male katydids produce what is called a spermatophore. All right. That sounds bad already. Which contains both ejaculate, and a mass of edible jelly. This can be up to 30% of their body mass. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm imagining a Katie did just like smoking a cigarette. Like you just hollowed me out. (laughs) Did you enjoy my edible jelly? That was 30% of my body mass. So the female... Consumes the jelly while the male is. Um, what a Trojan horse this is! Depositing you, fr- his sperm. you, you freaking <laughs> sneaky sneak thief coming in here. It's marital gifts. When birds get married, do they give each other just little smooches yeah. with like a little, maybe like a little like berry? When you said nuptial, I imagine like birds getting married. That's how like. <laughs> into the idea I was that I wasn't thinking about it logically. And now you're like, uh, Katie did feed each other cum that sort of constitutes a third of their body weight. So for male Katie dids, by giving them this uh, spermatophore, uh, they just ensure... Jelly. Just say jelly. Just say edible jelly. Just edible jelly. Sperm, sperm is also edible jelly. I, feel really I don't want to be for somebody that might be like eating this while eating like a PB&J. <laughs> Eating this while eating a PB and J? I hope they're not. Unless a Katie did. Katie did got its hands on it and pulling a gross prank. Uh, So by giving this gift to the female, uh, Mm. the male ensures that she will spend some time consuming it. 
so wait, this, I'm sorry, say that so again. So this kind of locks her down. So so she is eating the it's jelly. It's a feast. It's thirty percent of his body mass. It's a fucking smorgasbord. So she's not going to go anywhere. So they can have that moment together. Oh yeah, man. Lovers. This is this is a this is a big deal. This this meal mm-hmm. of him and his jelly. Do you want to hear about nursery web spiders? Almost certainly I don't. This is almost like I almost we almost need to say like like content warning for spiders because like I am going to be like troubled by this. For this sure. is actually fun. Okay, I think so. Um, a lot of the examples I'm going to give you are just like an edible gift given to the partner. Um, but what's funny about nursery web spiders is what they will do sometimes is they will provide a fake meal. So they will wrap an inedible item often in webbing. And provide that to the female as like a, hey, look what I got you. And then when they've, you know, lured them in, surprise. <laughs> Why would I? This isn't fun. This is mean. This is mean. At least when the Katie did gives a, a third of its body weight in ejaculate, like it's <laughs> something, you know. Mm-hmm. But a spider saying like, oh, look at this. It's uh, Taco Bell. It's uh, wrapped up in my web in the it's shape of Taco Bell. It's all, but it's a whole burrito. So you want to smash? Okay, we smash. You unwrap it and it's like three rocks. And he's like, I just, <laughs> I just enjoy the trickery there. What? By the way, uh-huh. nursery web spider? No, no thanks. I don't want any spiders in my nursery. Thanks. And please don't send me Facebook links about how great spiders are. I know they're a valuable part of the ecosystem, but you want to hear about the ornate moth? I do like moths. Okay. So this is this is kind of a lighter fare, literally, because it is only ten percent of the male's body weight. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's great about this one, uh, also <laughs> ejaculate, but sure includes uh, alkaloids that serve as a chemical defense from predators. Oh, okay. My seed will protect us. Yeah. So it, there's some benefit to the female that goes beyond just nourishment. Uh, and this represents, this is the quote, this represents the total parental investment of the male. <laughs> See ya. You've got my protected, you've got my ward on, on our, our household. You want to get to the birds now? I don't think I do. I'm, I'm kind of okay with this nasty stuff being sort of the, the business of the bugs. The northern shrike is a songbird known for impaling mice, insects, and even other birds on sharp twigs. The males present this skewer, and the females select the fellow who offers the largest nuptial gift. Whoever can bring the choicest kebabs. Exactly. That is, they, what? There's actually, there's a picture I saw of- Don't, I don't. I can't. A picture you saw of, sorry, that was rude. I just, just uh, one of those items that I outlined uh, on on like a like a branch, just ready for presentation, ready for roasting. Mm-hmm. What's a bird gonna do with a dead? I guess they eat them, but they're not carnivores. Well, are so they? here's the thing. So uh, there is a theory. That since uh, animals, females often, and in this example, female birds, expend a great deal of energy on reproduction, right? Uh, their success rearing young can be increased by the convenience of a mate delivering food. Right, right. I'm saying like meat, though. Like, are they? I guess they. Yeah, I guess birds eat meat. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I don't, fu- I don't know fucking anything. I, I will just say that it is just like an example of a male providing in a way that I guess would make a woman think. You know, I mean, it's probably harder than I don't know what's harder, actually, being a bird and having to 
do spear combat, learn how to use a javelin as a bird or ejaculating 30% of your body weight. (laughs) That's a tall order also in its own right. You know what I mean? This season on The Biggest Loser. (laughs) Like if I had to go out into a field with a couple of longhorns in it, which is like not, you know, uncommon around here in Texas, I know where I could scrounge up some longhorns. And all that you gave me was like a long, sharp pole. And you told me to bring you one of those longhorns for mating feast. Um, I don't know if it would be easier for me to do that or ejaculate 30% of my body weight. Because the latter one would take me a while. I mean. <laughs> and I'd probably like have to try to lose some body weight just to meet it in the middle a little bit. Why did you bring this? Um, I just think it's wonderful. <laughs> I, I really. So the. The thing that was funny about this was they introduced the concept in because I started reading a lot of articles about it and they introduced it like, you know how men will often provide women with an engagement ring when they propose marriage? Yeah. Well, other species also provide gifts when looking to commit to someone. So it's three months of salary or three months (laughs) of 30 percent of your body. Three months of a three month load. <laughs> it's terrible the things we've said. We're 14 minutes in and the things we've said are terrible. But do you want to know my first thing? It's can I tell you something? Yes. It's food. So I should maybe switch it with my second thing and give it some space from your first thing. How about that? Why don't we switch it? Okay. My second thing is Eric Carl. Eric Carl. Oh. Yeah, this is going to be a nice little sort of tonal shift. Uh, Eric Carl, if you're not familiar with him, which I was not before I had a a child. Is uh, that true? That is true. Like I knew his work, obviously, but I didn't know him. I did not know him by name for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think he does not necessarily. He's like one of the most prolific and successful. For sure. His art is is super recognizable. Um, But I don't think he has like the name recognition of a, you know, a, a Seuss for example. Um, but Eric Carl is the uh, author of uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar and uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of other stories. How do you say that word? Do you say caterpillar? Do you like uh, enunciate the R in the middle? Caterpillar. Caterpillar? Caterpillar? I know a lot of... Uh, oh, caterpillar. Mm. I'm trying to think because I said it caterpillar there and it felt weird coming out of, coming out of the mouth. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so anyway, uh, the thing that I feel like I was not prepared for before I had before we had our child um, is how one of the most like grueling forces that you have to sort of fight against is the force of like repetition uh, especially as they get to the point where like there is certain types of media that they only want to consume uh, to wit we have probably 40 books right we probably have about 40 books oh, over more there than that 40 to 50 books <laughs> yeah. I will say and I have read all of them over a dozen times the Eric Carl collection I have almost certainly read uh, there's some of them I've almost I've definitely read a hundred times at this point Uh, the thing is that's true of like a lot of the books that we have and the Eric Carl ones are still like they're still kind of fun to me Uh, and they are so iconic and I feel like they they do stand out so much Um, they're just like they're really gentle books they're really soothing they're really nice to look at Um, again uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar is his most successful book it's a it's like sort of an iconic picture book about a little caterpillar who hatches from an egg and then eats a bunch of 
garbage and then goes to sleep for a while and then turns into a butterfly. And like most of that is stuff that I can fuck with for sure. Um, This book is so successful. I did not really like uh, appreciate how successful it was. It has been translated into more more than 64 languages and it has sold more than 46 million copies, which is equivalent to 1.7 copies sold every minute since it was published. Which is which is wild. I knew it was like a big deal, right? Because every kid like knows this story, but I I guess I didn't realize it was like a you know Harry Potter phenomenon. We're also talking for those that aren't familiar with caterpillar, uh, brown bear, brown bear, brown bear, brown bear. What do you see? The whole blank bear. What do you blank collection? Uh, there are four <laughs> books. Um, the, the, this book, the the uh, the very hungry caterpillar, is like so beloved because it is it is again like a nice and gentle tale, but it's also like you mentioned, like uh, Eric Carle's art style is so. Uh, instantly recognizable all of his artwork is created through collage uh where he cuts yeah he cuts and layers hand-painted papers to create these lovely images and i uh, there's like all of his books have stuff like this but i feel like the very hungry caterpillar this is maybe a weird thing to say but like there's a long section that's just like a bunch of different types of food that he has done in this like lovely like collage style that food looks so fucking good the page that has like all the garbage (laughs) food on it Uh that's like one hot dog one cupcake one one uh, slice cream, of cheese. Pickle. One. There's two different types of sausages. I see that and I'm like, damn, those will look fucking good. And it's because <laughs> of this very good art style, I guess. Um, it's it's amazing. So the thing about Eric Carle is his uh, his life. Uh, a majority of it un- until adulthood was like super difficult. Uh, he was born in New York City, um, and then when he was six, uh, his mom was uh, sort of missing Germany, which was her sort of motherland. Uh, and so they moved back to Germany right before World War II. Oh, man. Uh, when he was 15, he was conscripted uh, by Nazi forces to dig trenches uh, in the Siegfried Line, which was this 400-mile-long defensive line that uh, like Russian prisoners and children and conscripted people were like forced to dig. It was oh, awful. It was miserable. Uh, and... He moved to uh, New York City in 1952 uh, after the war with $40 in his pocket and got a job as a a graphic designer in the, like, advertising promotions department of the New York Times. Um, And then he was drafted in the Korean War, but then he came back and he did the New York Times thing again. Uh, And it was while he was, like, doing illustrations for the Times that he was contacted by Bill Martin Jr., who is another children's author. Uh, His jam, if you know a bunch of children's books chicka chicka boom boom that was uh that was old bill martin jr uh and he wanted to collaborate with him and thus the uh brown bear brown bear what do you see series was born this book is fantastic it's just a bunch of different animals asking what they see and then they say the next animal in sequence so brown bear brown bear what do you see i see a red bird looking at me i could probably do that whole bird book verbatim mm-hmm. it's brown bear red bird yellow duck uh blue horse green frog purple cat white dog white dog white dog what I, I, yeah white dog black cat. black sh- black sheep black goldfish sheep. teacher students god um, anyway that's a useless bit of trivia that will never come in handy ever again um so after that after they published brown bear brown bear uh first of all that's a four book series which is buck wild because all of them are basically the same but he went on to publish and uh he he went on to rather uh illustrate and write his his own books solo and hence his long and prolific career uh got started he's still like 
knocking out books. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a, a sort of another Caterpillar like holiday book, I think, that came out in 2017. Oh, we Just- got to get that one. Yeah, we do for sure. Uh, so, like uh, Eric Carl's books are like, uh, like I said, like very uh, gentle and very like nurturing, for lack of a better word. And that is like by design, and it's kind of what he attributes a lot of his success to. Uh, they are focused on like uh, developing, uh, you know, intellectual activity among like very young people, and sort of like uh, nurturing their curiosity and recognizing their feelings in a very like Mister Rogers way where it's like your feelings are valid even though you're you are a child like that doesn't make your feelings less valid than mine uh he has a quote that says with many of my books i attempt to bridge the gap between the home and school to me home represents or should represent warmth security toys holding hands being held school is a strange and new place for a child will it be a happy place there are new people a teacher classmates will they be friendly i believe the passage from home to school is the second biggest trauma of childhood the first is of course being born indeed in both both cases we leave a place of warmth and protection for one that is unknown the unknown often brings fear with it in my books i try to counteract this fear to replace it with a positive message i believe that children are naturally creative and eager to learn i want to show them that learning is really both fascinating and fun so just like i don't know uh i, I admire him like for his uh like skill and his creativity and his artistic eye again like his sort of collage style is so unique among any like picture books i've ever seen um but also because like he had a really difficult childhood and then spent his entire career trying to make childhoods better for people around the whole world i think that's like such a beautiful like legacy to to have um and also like you know i can read his books a thousand times without like wanting to rip my hair out which is pretty much a miracle so great great work eric carl i feel like we're not on first name basis yet but we're getting there i love that he's still out there i know books that's awesome uh hey can i steal you away yes would you uh provide the accompaniment I mean, what I really want to, like, what's really stuck in my head is, like, we could do, like, bang, bang into the, uh, <laughs> and it's nice and short, uh-huh. but I think I just have that song in, in mind. Uh-huh. No, I think we should go with that. Okay. So that was it, and it was a short one, but it can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis, um, website design or website functionality. And you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what 
is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. You want to hear some messages? Absolutely. This one is for Chris. It is from Rochelle. Hey, I was able to nab a spot to loudly declare you as my favorite person. Thank you for the laughter and exasperated yelling at bad puns over the years and for all the love and support through tough times in the past romantic year. I can't wait for the day we start forever, but until then, stop making awful names for normal things like children. It's so fun, though. It's so fun, though, to see a child at the park and point at them and just go, Blovis. (laughs) You are Blovis. This is a real craft of the McElroy family, I feel like. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of practice at it, though. Uh, This next Why didn't we name our son Blovis? It would have been, it sounds too much like Travis. Okay, that would be the only reason. That's the only reason why. Uh, This next message is for Tyler. It is from Z-Squad. From dancing goblins to dragon teeth and all of the absurd animal voices in between. It's weird, it's different, but it's right. Tyler, you've been an incredible DM for the Z-Squad despite our murder hobo ways and we hope for many more adventures with you in the future. P.S. What time is it? Uh, I mean, it's it's 8.47 p.m. Central Time on November the 13th. And this is all things considered. <laughs> my name is Blovis Snaithley. That does and, sound like an NPR name a little bit. My name bit. is Blovis Snaithley, and I'm here with my co-host, Prample Raskinson. Thanks, Blovis. Thanks, Prample. Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. (laughs) Okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to to get to heaven, sometimes you gotta raise a little hell. Oh, that's the tagline! <laughs> Check out Story Break every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You what, ready? Yeah, second thing. Hit me up with it now. Please. Please. <laughs> uh, this is a, another musical artist this week. Yes. It is Mia Follick. Yes. 
and new to this new to the scene, right? Like just dropped her first album to the scene. Her first full length album came out last month. Uh, yes, I had not heard of her before you sent me uh, a couple of her songs and buckle up because they fucking own bones. They are so good. <laughs> uh, so my friend Jacob posted on Facebook uh, the song Stop Talking. Yes. Uh, he works for a PR uh, company that represents a lot of musical talent. Oh. And so whenever he posts anything, I'm always like, oh, I'm going to look into this. Uh, so she is a Japanese-American singer-songwriter. Her first EP just came out in 2015. Uh, she had another one in 2017, and her debut album, Premonitions, came out in October. Uh, she was born in Santa Ana, California, and she studied classical voice. Do you have on there how her band came about? Because I learned that yes. fact, and it blew me away. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so she, um, attended NYU to study acting and then ended up going to the University of Southern California. But, uh, during a gap semester, a high school friend taught her how to play guitar. And so she decided to start her band using Tinder, where she created a profile that said looking for a band. So good. That's (laughs) so dope. Uh, So I wanted to play first uh, the song that I discovered today, which is Stop Talking. of her new album um, and uh, including one from Pitchfork and they say that many of the songs on Premonitions feel like anthems battle cries for personal and universal empowerment um, this comes in part from her incredible voice um, and then her her song subject matter which is kind of what they say it feels intimate but applicable <laughs> that's a very good way to put it <laughs> which I thought this, was great this song is such a like Fresh dance jam. The music video is also very fantastic. Uh, that it's such a relatable yes. song, right? Because you've been a, like, as a person, you've been on both sides of that, where you are just incessantly talking to your friends about somebody, and then also to be the friend and to be just tired of it. Yeah. Uh, and so the the kind of the what weaves through it is the chorus, which is we have to speak with grace. We will become the words we say, uh, which is like you know you're just you're talking about this terrible person all the time. Like, you will become a terrible person. That's true. She also has a great line in there that's like, uh, I know I've talked off my share of ears about the subject at hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's such a good song. So she gave an interview about this album to Pitchfork, and she said, quote, we wanted to shine a light on normal life and make tiny moments feel like special occasions. We kept joking in the studio that we were making domestic pop music. And this record was deliberate response to the heaviness that everyone's feeling. Every day there's something new to be incensed about. And if you're not angry, then you're not paying attention. But if you live with that anger every day, you will become sick. I don't like to make hopeless songs. I talk with my friends about making things fun in a way that feels vital. Fun is a decision. It's not about buying into this nasty polarized way of talking that we've learned to do on the internet. Hmm. So she's, and you'll see this if you kind of do any research on her. She's, I mean, you know, she's in her late 20s and she's very involved kind of in what's going on globally. Right. 
Uh, and I think she's trying to kind of push through that and make music that, that matters to people. Yeah. Um, but she's not just kind of a, like a, a pop person. And so I wanted to share one more song and this is off of one of the aforementioned EPs. I uh, do not know what clip I'm going to pull. This song is so fucking good throughout the whole, mm-hmm. like there are so many huge peaks and valleys throughout it. That, like, so this I, is where her kind of her classical voice training really comes through. There's, uh, and if you watch the music video for it, the so song good. I'm talking about is Give It To Me. And it's such a perfect music video because it's literally her on a roller coaster. And anytime she gets to kind of a peak in the song, she's like going down uh, a valley like in the roller coaster. I it's couldn't help but think great. like how exhausting that video must have been to shoot because <laughs> seriously you have to ride that roller coaster a bunch of times anyway uh uh so i like every time i listen to the song it like gives me chills and then there were a few times i listened to it that i actually like teared up a little bit because yeah. she is like so unbelievable so emotional and and the song can be just so devastating let's uh-huh. let's play it okay Not since uh, Kesha's praying, like that note she hits. Mm, yeah. Like, have I have I like been so fucking floored by <laughs> yeah. a vocal performance? I'm not kidding. Like, I, 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 again, we've talked so much about how like I lack the words to talk about music in any kind of like intellectual way, but like her voice has texture in a way I've yeah. literally never heard a human singing voice before. So there have been like a lot of comparisons between her and uh, Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine. Yeah. Um, And so she gave an interview uh, where she said, I didn't grow up listening to Tori Amos or the Cranberries or Sinead O'Connor, which are artists she all gets compared to a lot. Yeah. I did listen to a lot of Joni Mitchell. Uh, but she goes on to say, um, but I wasn't that interested in contemporary music. Now I listen to a lot of Bjork, which you can kind of hear. Oh, yeah. And then she says something that just warmed my heart so much. She said, I fucking love Fiona Apple. <laughs> uh, and if you go on to listen to her music, there's a song called Dead Body off her new album um, that feels very Fiona Apple to me. And I'm I gonna... want to look up this album right now. I'm very, very excited mm-hmm. to get into this artist. So again, the album is called Premonitions. It just came out last month. You can find it on Spotify uh, or SoundCloud or whatever. Uh, but she's incredibly talented. She's touring in the UK right now. I think we may have missed her, yeah. her US tour. Uh, but I was so excited to listen. I just like went through everything I could find on YouTube uh, yeah. today. Because uh, I think she's incredibly talented. And I was super excited. Uh, can I tell you about my first thing? Yes. It's, it's your ca- second thing, though. Uh, well, yeah. Unless you want to talk about Eric Carl again. No, I mean, Eric Carl's my second thing. I did it first. It's oh, my I first see. thing. The food, the food, yes. It's the food one. It's going to be so fast. I thought I would do this first and then just, like, be over with. And I try to save my, like, big one for the second act of our show. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this will be kind of a week denouement. But I'm, it's ramen. Okay. <laughs> it's ramen. Um, um, I was kind of a latecomer to ramen and an even later comer to 
actual good ramen that you Me would too. get. I didn't at, eat like it a, in college the way a lot of people did. I ate the instant ramen. A, I mean, there's a I part of do that. there's a part of this segment that is I feel indebted to instant ramen in a way because there was definitely a couple of years there where I may have actually died from not eating if it had not been for this instant ramen I ate it constantly I ate it so much and I'm talking I'm not talking there's good instant ramen out there uh, I have a recommendation actually we got some from Costco last time we were there it's a miso ramen called I think Nisin Rao R-A-O-H um, and it's just like a really nice miso ramen I'm into that um, but this is, was not that this was fucking top ramen 13 cents a packet like but i'm not above that there's no such thing as bad ramen there's just ramen that's way 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 (laughs) way 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 better than other ramen but all ramen is beautiful in god's eyes um the reason i'm excited about ramen these days is it fulfills this place that i always wanted soup to fill when i was younger um there was there was no good soup when i was little in, in my mind that's not true my mom, my mom made a potato soup that I was crazy about every other kind of soup was bad uh, these days there's like maybe three good soups um, yeah you're not really a soup guy no I like a tomato basil bisque mm-hmm. that might even be it I think that's about it that might you. be a, a potato soup I like a creamy but I can't like eat that much cream these days oh you kidding me tomato basil bisque though with a, a nice like a uh, fancy grilled cheese to dip in that like I'll fuck with that any day of the week but ramen is good Ramen is very good. Uh, According to the record of the Yokohama Ramen Museum, ramen originated in China and made its way over to Japan in 1859. uh, And early versions were just wheat noodles in broth topped with Chinese-style roast pork. Um, So, like, uh, they've definitely chopped and screwed it in the, uh, you know, couple of centuries since then. Uh, But, I mean, I still think ramen kind of still sticks close to that that, uh, original formula. So, today there are uh, four kind of main types of ramen, of non-instant ramen. Instant ramen is not one of the four types. There's four sort of flavor variations, um, and they are all sort of common throughout Japan, but some are more common in different regions compared to other ones. Um, There is shoyu ramen, which is kind of the most common one. Like if you see on a menu that just says like ramen, it's probably shoyu ramen, which is, you know, a meat-based broth flavored with soy sauce. Um, that's, that's sort of the, the basic starter ramen and it has the usual fixings in it, right? Like ramen usually, uh, fancy, nice ramen will have like slices of pork and maybe a hard boiled egg, uh, some bamboo, some, you know, mushrooms, uh, a bunch of different options there. Bonito flakes. Bonito flakes for sure. Uh, there's shio ramen. Shio is uh, Japanese for salt, uh, I believe, which is a lighter sort of chicken broth based ramen, sort of a lighter variation of the shoyu ramen. Uh, and then there's miso ramen, which uh, I've been getting into lately. It's it has miso in it, the soybean paste in it, so it creates sort of a a thicker heartier uh, sort of broth. Uh, That actually originates in Hokkaido, where the winters are very long and very, very cold. So, like, they wanted a a big boy ramen, a thick, a thick boy yeah. ramen. Uh, so that's sort of where that comes from. And then the ramen that I feel like is like super common here around Austin because we are a land of excess is tonkatsu ramen, which is uh, pork bone broth. So it is just like so like thick and cloudy and fatty as hell. Yes. Um, 
Uh, they are they are all so good. Like I, I I genuinely do enjoy all these different types of ramen. There's some other sort of variations. There's dipping ramen where you just have your noodles in one bowl and then a bowl of like really thick sauce and usually like ground meat and fixins in there. And you literally that's my favorite. That's Rachel's favorite. I like I get it. it at uh, Michi Ramen. Michi here Ramen here in Austin. It fucks me up. It is so fat. It is it so is fatty. Very hard on your body. Yes. Uh, it really <laughs> takes you out of commission for a while. Um, these days I really just like, you know, a basic sort of show you ramen, just like a nice, just a nice hot bowl of ramen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get excited about it because like, I love, I love a good broth. Good Lord. Do I love a good broth? I think I've talked about pho on this show and how picky I am. There's like one pho place in Austin that I actually like, like their pho because I don't know, broth is such a commitment when you're eating a broth, like you're eating a lot of stuff and it's a very assertive flavor and you're going to be with it for a while. I want it to taste really good. Um, and we are lucky to live in a city where like we have lots of great ramen opportunities. Um, uh, I also like need to point out that when we were in Japan, we ate ramen constantly and the ramen sort of restaurant experience in Japan is maybe the idealized like dining experience for me because at a lot of places uh, they are very, very sort of small kitchens with like uh, rows of seats or private slurping booths uh, at, at some places. Uh, a lot of the places like you just want to get in eat some ramen, get out and get, get back to your day. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those places will have basically kind of a vending machine outside where you punch in like what kind of ramen you want, what sort of fixings you want, you pay for it. And then you get a little ticket that you hand to somebody inside the restaurant. And then 45 seconds later, your ramen <laughs> is ready for you. Uh, and then you can just like blast it, blast it down your gullet and like, go back outside with like a full warm hearty belly we had a very nice person in japan explain to us how that process worked because when you stand in front of the machine it can be a little intimidating you're like how's this machine gonna make all the ramen inside of it no it just prints out a ticket that you hand to the person inside um but like that's fucking great man like obviously there's lots of dining experiences that i want to be like nice and long and social and uh, you know, in, enjoy myself. But a lot of the times I wish I could just like walk into a restaurant with a ticket in hand that will get me food 30 seconds later. <laughs> it's so fucking great. Uh, but yeah, I, ramen is just like, it's just, it, I, I don't like soup, right? And so I don't have a lot of like wet food options. I don't have a lot of like liquid food options. It took me a long time to kind of get my head around the idea that it was a noodle dish mm. that was also soup. Right took me a lot and I still sometimes find myself choosing one over the other like oh, I really like the soup part of this but I'm not as into the noodles or I'm, I'm really into the noodles but not as into the soup I almost always do that uh, as well there are places mm-hmm. um, I like the uh, noodles and fixins better at ramen tatsuya here in Austin but I definitely like the broth better at Michi yeah, the, I agree. the broth is so I could just drink that shit for like just just that I would just drink a cup of their broth for lunch one day it is so unbelievably good um but yeah i love ramen i went from like not eating it at all except for the instant stuff all the way up until like my late 20s and then i was like oh shit this is the best food ever when you had since i was never really one to consume this i'm curious when you had the instant yeah what was your flavor of choice uh chicken Okay. Chicken. There were a lot of flavors in there that I just, I didn't, I couldn't get on board with. There was like a, a chili lime flavor that was all right. I was kind of, kind of okay with that, uh, but almost always chicken. And then sometimes I'd mix in stuff with it. Um, Did it taste like chicken? 
Oh no. Okay. It tasted like um just salt, right? It like tasted well, salt? it kind of tasted like if you had put salt in one end of the Large Hadron Collider okay. and then salt on the other end of the Large Hadron <laughs> uh-huh. Collider and then shot them into each other at the speed of light <laughs> to create a sort of like super salt black hole okay. that you taste with your mouth and yes. then you uh, you don't piss for a week. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Okay. <laughs> um, I will say I've been doing uh, my fitness pal so it like tracks your nutritional facts and stuff like that and when I punched in this ramen I recommended to all of our listeners at the start of the show it was like yo um you just passed up by a wide margin your daily sort of recommended dose of sodium just in this one <laughs> bowl of instant ramen my friend you may you you need to go drink a glass of water it said go drink water right now griffin i'll wait i'll wait <laughs> uh hey can i tell you about what our friends at home are excited about yes uh, I got one here from Kyle who says, uh, I can enjoy a good trailer almost as much as a good movie. I love trailers. Uh, just this week, I watched the uh, new Super Smash Brothers trailer and the Detective Pikachu trailer multiple times, each because they are both so enjoyable. Try to get Rachel excited about Detective Pikachu. <laughs> no takers. No takers there. I don't, I, don't, I don't have an outlet for this shit anymore, but let me just say on the R podcast, wonderful. I think it looks fucking choice as hell. I was confused because it reminded me of like a Paddington. Yes. But it was Pikachu. And Paddington owns Bones, and this is with Pikachu in it. And it's got all my favorite Pokemon I friends I in it. I guess I feel like I don't know enough about Pikachu to really know where this might take him. You know? Yeah. You really got to watch the anime like, to like that stuff. Detective Pikachu to me mm. is kind of like what, I don't know what regular Pikachu kind is. Kind of like Assassin Mario. It's like, why is he doing that? <laughs> uh, here's one from Olivia who says, I work in the office of my university's earth science department. In the hallway outside the office, there's a seismometer, the machine that shows a squiggly line to measure earthquakes, hooked up so that people can see their footsteps register on it. I think it's wonderful when I'm sitting at my desk and I can hear people exaggeratedly stomping <laughs> past the office so that they register a bigger earthquake. Even most of the professors do it. That's such, that's, that's such a, so cute. It's, it's so unrelatable, but also such a nice little slice of life that I just was. <laughs> we had like a big window yeah. in the office. I hope that you can like see it happen. Or like a, a nest cam, like recording people just like silly walking down this highway, uh, highway in hallway. You know what I meant? But it did make me think about when they have those signs up that like measure your speed. Oh yeah. You always kind of want to like see what would happen if you just ran real fast by them. Do you do that? I've never had. Rachel. I never had. Criminal crime. To run real fast? Oh, to run. I thought you were talking about driving. Okay, so Anne says, something I find wonderful is when you perfectly fry an egg over easy without breaking the yolk or sticking to the pan, especially when you manage it on a cast iron pan. It's such a simple thing, but it makes me feel so accomplished and proud of myself. Cooking an egg good is the best feeling. I've never tried it on a cast iron. I bet that's difficult. Nor I. Yeah, I bet so, because you don't get that nonstick sort of Mm -hmm. assistance. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one time I poached an egg and I got like a few perfect poached eggs, (gasps) that feels so good. good. It's not that hard, but like. I was so impressed. uh, It looks very impressive. Yes. Hey, thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, Thank you to MaximumFun.org, the website. Yes, thank you, Maximum Fun, for hosting our show and hosting just dozens of other really, really good shows. Uh, shows like Switchblade Sisters and... Um, That's it. That's the only show on the network. 
international pairing down international waters is on there uh friendly fire i'm trying to think of ones we don't mention all the time there's so many like there's definitely ones that we haven't mentioned minority corner uh, minority corner heat rocks heat rocks there's a lot of great shows it's all at maximumfun.org if you want to hear other stuff we do it's at mcelroyshows.com um McElroy mailing list if you want like future announcements it's at, at bit.ly slash McElroy mail um, I think that might be it I think so well hmm I wish I w- it's felt we it felt off hasn't it the outro <laughs> it's felt off it almost feels like we do need like a kiss your dad square the, right because that really would be know. a that would be a much easier sort of way to because Rachel, let's take you behind the curtain rachel and i often sit here inside we did just now sit here in silence for a good 10 <laughs> to 15 seconds just looking at each other like say something funny so i think we need to get the council together and really figure out a I nice know. closing catchphrase oh wait i got one i got one. Oh, okay well that's 30% of your body weight you'll never get back. What do you think? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. How does this sound? A weekend on a beautiful mountaintop in California. You wake up, eat a tasty meal with some new friends, some old friends, maybe the host of your favorite podcasts. After that, it's a couple of inspiring classes, spectacular podcast tapings, a hilarious stand-up showcase, a dance party, and more. And s'mores! All of this can be yours at Max FunCon, returning to Lake Arrowhead next June. Tickets go on sale Friday, November 23rd. Put that on your calendar because Max FunCon tickets always sell out. Get a head start planning your next summer vacation and go to maxfuncon.com to learn more.